This is Asked and Answered. Questions. With Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola. We are on the eve of one of the biggest nights in the NFL offseason labs. The schedule gets released tomorrow. Can you feel the excitement? Are you breaming with anticipation for the dates to be assigned to the opponents? <laughs> um, I, I'll tell you what. I, you know, I have been one to um, criticize Roger Goodell and you know make fun of him and different things, different decisions. But I got to give him this: he is the master of turning non-events oh, yeah. into into television extravaganzas. I mean, the draft, the schedule release. I mean, you know, these are in in a in a business that, you know, revolves around actual competition on the field uh, for uh, the NFL uh, to have created what they've created with the draft and the schedule release. Kudos. I mean, seriously, as Heinz Ward often said, you got to take your hat off and hand it to him. Um, it's just, it's, it's genius. Um, so yes, it's going to be one of the most, um, overhyped things, you know, on the sports calendar and, you know, good for the NFL because at a time when the NHL and the NBA are in their, you know, playoffs right. and teams could be getting eliminated or moving on, uh, to the next round and whatever, you know, wherever their respective series are. Uh, baseball is, you know, obviously not in the dog days of summer yet, but they're playing real games. Um, the NFL is going to have a, pretty much a non-event because everybody knows who the opponents yeah, right. are already. We know already. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm sure that in a subsequent uh, Asked and Answered podcast, we're going to be dealing with um, – do you think the buy is an advantage or not based on where it falls? <laughs> Buy's on the too schedule? early, Labs. It's too early. We're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Thanks. Thanks for helping me to look forward to that. Oh, of course. You're welcome. So you were mentioning, you know, we're in the midst of the hockey playoffs, the NBA playoffs. There's going to be elimination games in both sports on Thursday night. Is there any doubt in your mind that the NFL schedule release doesn't dominate the ratings for the period that it's on TV, though? Um. Because I think it's going Probably. to. <laughs> oh, I, I I don't have any doubt. I mean, the the first round of the NFL draft. Yes. I mean, the the TV numbers uh, for that uh, are, were were ridiculous. Are ridiculous. Um, you know, if you um, let me just let me just give it to you here real quick. Um, the um, the local household TV ratings. Uh, for in Pittsburgh for the first round of the draft, uh, up thirteen percent year over year, a twelve point seven rating in oh. Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh <laughs> of Pittsburgh's overall three day average TV ratings ranked number one out of fifty six metered markets throughout the United States. Pittsburgh was also number one in those fifty six metered markets on the first night of the draft. So, um, they're just reading names, you know, <laughs> right. And, and, and watching, uh, the commissioner hug guys. <laughs> they have those cool handshakes now that they work on behind stage too, though, <laughs> you know, and, um, and your favorite, uh, analyst wasn't even on. Uh, we can't even talk about that. Let's just move right on. 
first, our first question from Scott Rogers comes from Centerville, Ohio. Mike Tomlin has made it clear that rookie quarterback Kenny Pickett has a chance to win the starting job this season. Obviously, we're going into training camp where anything can happen. But hypothetically speaking, with all things made relatively equal in terms of training camp and preseason outings, would you prefer to see Mason Rudolph or Mitch Trubisky get the nod to start week one of the regular season? I'm curious if you prefer the Joe Burrow approach or the Patrick Mahomes approach. Both are exceptional quarterbacks, but were developed differently in their rookie seasons. Um, Okay, my favorite approach is the best man for the job is the starter approach. Um, and, you know, all of that other stuff, I think is just overthinking it or it's happenstance um, because, you know, there are other quarterbacks besides Burrow who got thrown in as rookies who failed. And there are other quarterbacks besides Patrick Mahomes who sat a year before um, being, uh, um, being made the starter and they failed. So, you know, I don't think that it's – you can look at one or the other and, you know, it's it's always – it always has the same outcome uh, because it's more about who the guy is as opposed to the pro, to the approach. And, you know, I think you got to have the competition and pick the guy who wins the competition because I think the players uh, at that position, the quarterbacks, deserve that. And I also think what's even more important is the other players in the locker room and the coaches deserve that too, because this is their livelihood. Yeah. You know, if things don't work out, they can end up, you know, looking for a new job. And, you know, that involves selling your house and moving your kids to a new school. And, you know, there's a lot of real life uh, ramifications of a player, even a really good player, you know, getting cut and then having to, you know, pick up with a new team in a new city. The coach is the same thing. So, you know, I, I just think that that's, that's the right way to do it. Um, and let me say this also uh, to Scott. You know, he mentions um, things being equal in terms of training camp and preseason outings. That's never the case. It's really not uh, because yeah. there's a lot of things involved in – winning the quarterback job more than just looking at the stats on a, on a, on a sheet of paper, seeing the completion percentage, uh, touchdown to interception ratio, those kind of things. There's, you know, the grasp of the offense, the, you know, his ability to handle things on the field, lead the offense, you know, his rapport with the coaching staff, all of that kind of stuff. And so I just think once the Steelers get to the point of a decision being made on the starting quarterback, the job will either be, have been won by someone or, or more often is the case, lost by a couple of other people leaving one man standing. Like Scott said, with all things being maybe relatively equal, that's impossible in preseason games. Whoever gets that second half, whoever gets that fourth quarter, they're going to be going up against a lot of guys that are going to be bagging groceries in a couple weeks. You're not going to be able to get a real read out of how they're playing because the competition isn't up to par. Right. That's 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 part of it, you know. And not only who you're going against, who you're playing with. Great point. There's some grocery baggers that you're throwing up with the ball to as well on your side of the ball. <laughs> or who are trying to block guys trying to sack you. <laughs> Kevin Doyle from Salinas, California. Can you give a description of the type of contract that an undrafted player could expect to be offered by a team that signed him after the draft ended? 
okay, um, you know, for undrafted rookies, the signing bonus, and this is generally, I mean, it can be more, it can be less. So, um, you know, don't hold me to these specific numbers. The signing bonus is usually around $10,000. Some teams go crazy on signing bonuses for some of these guys if they really think, you know, that um, they need to have them or they have a definite future or a role with the team. So it could be more than that, but generally a signing bonus is $10,000. Now, uh, the contracts, based on the most recent collective bargaining agreement, contracts for drafted players are four years. That's the rule. Mm. Undrafted guys, a lot of times a team might only sign a guy to a three-year contract because if they say you, you get lucky and you hit it and the, and the guy turns out to be a good player, well, he gets the free agency, but he's only a restricted free agent. And so a team has a little bit more control over, you know, that first yeah. um, exposure to free agency for the player than you would if it's four years because then he's unrestricted. So generally, uh, the signing bonus is $10,000. Uh, the term of the contract uh, is usually three or four years. Andy Roy from Missoula, Montana. When a team exercises the fifth-year option on a first-round pick, what happens at the end of that fifth year? Does the team still control the player, or does he become a free agent? Okay, under Andy's scenario, uh, the player can become an unrestricted free agent uh, when uh, at the start of the new league year, usually at some time in early March. Or the team can uh, tag him, right. franchise transition tag, to protect their rights to some degree. Uh, the other thing that can happen is certainly legal is once that season ends and from the end of the season uh, bef- uh, until March, that period in between teams are allowed to negotiate with their own free agents. And so you could just t- t- to make it specific, Devin Bush, right? He lights it up in 2022. Let's pretend. So let's hope. Uh, bef- Right. So before he gets the free agency, the Steelers and his agent could negotiate a contract extension. So he never hits free agency. They don't have to tag him uh, and they may, you know, they retain his services. That's also a possibility. And if you don't get a deal done in that period before it opens up in the new league year in March, you can still tag a guy and negotiate long term contract, even though he still has the tag. Correct. It's not like you tag him. That's it. Well, if you right, if you tag him, you can still, and I believe the deadline for that is like July fifteenth. Okay, you have until July fifteenth to negotiate a long term deal. If you don't get it done by that time, then the player who is franchise tagged plays under the terms of the franchise tag. Sean Bittner from Jacksonville, North Carolina. Can you explain the difference between an undrafted rookie signed to a contract after the draft? And a free agent who receives an invitation to rookie minicamp. Okay, undrafted rookies who are signed after the draft have a contract, obviously. Um, So, as I just explained, they probably got, well, they definitely got their signing bonus already, and the terms of the deal have been laid out. Now, they don't get any salary unless they make the team and get into the regular season, but let's pretend that um, Tom Offerman signed uh, as an undrafted rookie after the draft for $10,000 signing bonus. Okay. He's got, he's got that check. 
Uh, if you're someone who receives an invitation to rookie minicamp, you're trying out. So mm. if you don't get after the tryout, the three days of the uh, uh, tryout camp, rookie minicamp, um, the team either offers you a contract or they shake your hand and say, thanks for you know showing up and trying, but we don't have a spot for you. Mm. In those cases, you get nothing. So um, that's a pretty big difference in my mind. No, it's a massive difference. Jason Norton from Johnstown, Pennsylvania. In regard to Kenny Pickett getting jersey number eight, as I understand it, the person receiving the number is obligated to purchase the merchandise of the previous owner. Is Pickett picking up the tab or does someone else? Um, Jason's uh, understanding of this is largely correct. Um, that procedure, however, is designed to prevent players already in the league from switching jerseys every you know jersey numbers every year right uh especially you know marquee players um tom brady for example if for some reason he didn't want to be number 12 anymore well you know you can't you can't have that because these things have to be made ordered and made up in advance so that they can be you know people that buy them can get them them in their hands in a reasonable amount of time. So the rule is if you're an exist, if you're an, um, a veteran player, an existing NFL player, uh, and have worn a specific Jersey, you know, if you decide you want to switch, um, again, yeah. let's pretend Cam Hayward, you know, doesn't wants to be, um, 99. Okay. Well, if he wants to be 99, then he's got to buy all of the 97s, Steeler jerseys that have been made by the only by the NFL, um, and the official ones, not the knockoff ones, right? Not the knockoff ones, and that usually is enough of an, um, you know, keeps guys from wanting to do that. (laughs) I'd say now, also, a lot of Cam Hayward jerseys you'd have to buy up, right? And and also, you know, not everybody has jerseys made up in advance, true. And I'm gonna I'm gonna explain how this helped Kenny Pickett. Uh, here in a second. Um, okay, but it also doesn't apply if you go to a different team. Like when Brady left the Patriots to go to Tampa Bay, if he wanted to wear number two instead of 12, mm-hmm. then there's no charge for that because it's a new team. So, you know, the number 12 uh, Patriots jerseys that have been made up in advance, um, people can either buy those or not. But he now plays for Tampa Bay, so he doesn't have to pay for the number 12 uh, Patriots jerseys. Okay, so now moving it to the Pickett situation. Um, First of all, he's not an established player, but the league does view number one draft picks and all number one draft picks uh, as potential, you know, merchandise um, superstars. Yeah, those jerseys are printed already. They're in the team store. Right, but you have to, but see, Pickett could have, you know, not declared for a jersey number, and um, so then that that's a that's a different category. But see, the thing with the number eight, okay, the two guys for the Steelers, the two most recent wearers of number eight were Melvin Ingram, who then was traded to Kansas City. So then, you know, the number eight Steeler jerseys don't count, right? because he's no longer a player. And then Carl Joseph, 
who was signed, and he was on the practice squad. So the only reason that number eight, Carl Joseph, because he's the guy who was giving up number eight and switching to another number, the only way he would have had to pay for any jerseys would have been if there were had been jerseys made with that number and his name on them gotcha. in advance. Okay, and as a guy who was cut from a team on another team's practice squad, the NFL doesn't do that for a player like him in his, you know, his status. So then it just came down to whether Carl Joseph wanted to give up number eight for the number one pick. Um, Did he really have a choice? (laughs) Sure. Oh, at the Steelers, I mean, if if you're a veteran and you and you have a jersey number, that's your number. um, that's your number. They don't make you give it up for a, a rookie. So interesting. You know, Carl Carl Joseph probably, you know, either he either negotiated something one on one with Pickett for number eight. That's right. Which is perfectly legal. Or he just decided out of the goodness of his heart, number eight really doesn't mean that much to him. And, you know, he'll give it to the rookie if it does mean something to him. So um, but that's why nobody had to pay any money to the league uh, for Kenny Pickett to wear number eight. Labs, you learn something new when you listen to this podcast, even if you're hosting it like I am. I had no idea that they made players buy up their old jerseys if they were on the same team and wanted to choose a number that's different. That's oh, that's crazy. Well, like, for, exa- for example, Ryan Clark. Yeah. Um, he uh, was – there was some sort of connection between him and Sean Taylor. I, I – I don't want to guess at what it was, but there was a, you know, a, a connection. Right. And he wanted to switch from 25 to 21. Well, he had, to, you know, there was a cost. Yeah, he had involved. a lot of jerseys made up for him. Ryan Clark's pretty, yes. pretty premier player for the team. Yeah. So um, that, um, you know, that precluded that switch. Corey Scheiderer from Perry, New York. Is there an undrafted rookie who intrigues you and you can't wait to see in training camp? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go with three names here. Um, and I think these guys either have an actual chance, uh, to make the team or their stories are interesting. Okay. First is a running back. You know, we talked about finding depth behind Najee. Yes. Uh, Okay. Uh, Duke running back, Mateo Durant. Um, he ran a four, three, eight at his pro day, played in 42 games at Duke. Rushed for 2,562 yards, 5.2 average, and 18 touchdowns. This is his career. Uh, And he caught 55 passes for 480 more yards and four more touchdowns. Um, He's he's interesting. I think he could, um, based on his production in college and the fact that the Steelers, I think, are looking uh, for someone to grab that role of uh, Najee Harris's backup. Yeah. Uh, I think he's got a chance. Uh, another guy in the same category in terms of there being a potential spot, ready-made spot for him on the roster is Tyree Johnson. Uh, he was uh, DeMarvin Leal's teammate at Texas A&M. Um, now, he also, like Leal, was a defensive end at Texas, or defensive lineman at Texas A&M. But while Leal is 290 or 285 or whatever, Tyree Johnson is, was only 240 pounds. So he's a stand-up 
um, defensive end in college who projects to a 3-4 outside linebacker with the Steelers. Uh, now, Johnson, at in his final season, 2021, as a senior, he had 31 tackles, nine tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks, one forced fumble, one fumble recovery. In his final three seasons at College Station, Johnson had 16 and a half sacks. Now, that's in the SEC. So, as an undrafted rookie, you know, the Steelers, are think I think, are looking for depth behind starters T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith. No doubt. Um, Tyree Johnson and Derek Tuska would seem to me at this point to be the two leading candidates for those two backup jobs. So, you know, Johnson has a has an opportunity. The third guy is local, and it's an interesting story to me. Um, he went. His name is Jake Dixon. He's an offensive tackle. Now he had, he went to Bethel Park High School, which is just south of Pittsburgh, and there he played football, basketball, and volleyball. He's really good at volleyball, and he actually went to Lewis College to play volleyball right out of Bethel Park High School. But once he got there, he's playing volleyball. He really missed football, and so he transferred to Duquesne, which is also in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. uh, and then he played tight end there because he was athletic, athletic enough to play volleyball, which for a six six guy, um, you know, there is some uh, there there is some athletic athletic ability required. Oh yeah. Um and then he switched to uh after playing um tight end, he switched to offensive tackle. And I think the Steelers also, you know, are looking for someone um at that spot. So there's three names. I love the athleticism part for him playing tackle too. Having an athletic tackle that has really good feet is something that can be really valuable. Not to say that Dixon's going to make the team or have an impact, but that's something definitely going for him that gets me excited as well. Charles Hurt from Stafford, Virginia. What is your opinion on the current offensive line as a whole? The Steelers seem satisfied with the players they have. I was of the opinion they should improve on this to protect the quarterback and help the run blocking. Well, Charles, I mean, Jake Dixon. There you go. No, just kidding. Um, we did it. What, know, what more do you want? Um, I, you know, I don't think it's fair to say the Steelers seem satisfied with the players they have on the offensive line because they spent big bucks right. in free agency on James Daniels and Mason Cole. And then they also uh, signed Chooks core for to um, a uh, $29 million contract. So, um, you know, I, I think that that counts. Um, you know, I, I don't think that the Steelers' offensive line is going to be as great as, you know, some of the previous um, groups that included, you know, all pros like Pouncey in his prime and DeCastro in his prime. Um, but, you know, I do think that it's, they're, they're, they're building something. Um, and I, I didn't think that they should have spent more draft picks, premium draft picks on offensive linemen because, you know, you're just adding more youth to youth and inexperience. You're adding youth and inexperience to youth and inexperience when you really don't know if the young guys you first picked and or added, um, you know, are going to develop into good players or not. So, you know, I like what they did in free agency by adding some guys with some pedigree in terms of, you know, playing experience in the league. Um, and you also have, still have young guys, Kendrick Green, Kevin Dotson, Dan Moore Jr., 
who are guys, you know, who can still develop, yeah, still show improvement. Um, the one thing I don't know, and we talked about this with the previous submission, who's the who's the backup tackle? Who's the number three offensive tackle? You know, Joe Haig. Eh, I'm 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 not really excited about that mm-hmm. possibility. So you know, there still are some things that need to be settled. Uh, there still are some potential weaknesses in the group, and. You know, that's why Pat Meyer, the new offensive line coach, uh, and Matt Canada as the offensive coordinator uh, need to either work with these guys individually, which is Meyer's job, or in Canada's job, do some things to help those guys be successful. Know what they can do, know what they can't do, and don't ask them to be things that they're not. Right. And just as one final uh, little note, I'm going to mention five players here right now. Max Starks, Chris Kimoyatu, Justin Hartwig, Darnell Stapleton, and Willie Colon. If you don't recognize those names, they were the players who were the starters on the <laughs> offensive line for the Super Bowl 43 champion Steelers. And that group allowed 49 sacks and 3.7 yards per rushing attempt. So you don't need the seven blocks of granite to put another <laughs> trophy in the case. Um and That's like, my lesson for today, boys and girls. And like the Hall of Famer Big Ben said on the podium after that Super Bowl, who's laughing now, <laughs> offensive line? Who's laughing yeah. now? <laughs> Our yep. final question today <laughs> comes from Greg Smith from Gainesville, Virginia. Now that the draft is complete and Kevin Colbert has ridden off into the sunset, what, in your opinion, is the priority for the Steelers? Identifying the new GM or locking up Minka Fitzpatrick with a contract extension? Um. You know, I don't see it as an either-or situation. Uh, I really don't. I, I think that, you know, there's there's the potential for some multitasking. Um, and I think the Steelers will uh, do both mm. to get both things done. They certainly can get both things done because, really, um, you know, you have until the start of the regular season to get the Minka deal done. And I don't really know that you got to have someone sitting at, Kevin Colbert's desk today or next week. Right. Um, he hasn't left. You know, he's not lounging on a beach in Bermuda or anything. <laughs> and yet, it's, not like coach, him. <laughs> it's not like Coach T That's doesn't what know what he's doing be. either, right? Like, Well, you know, and so um, <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, take your time. These are big decisions to make. Um, you know, the with Fitzpatrick, the decision is how much do you pay. Um, right. And the decision is who is the best guy to replace Kevin Colbert and fit into the structure and the culture that the Steelers like to have, um, you know, in their front office. Um, and I think they can and will get both done. You really are still seeing Kev walking around the office, huh? <laughs> that guy needs to get to a Absolutely. golf course, man. Tell that guy to get the hell out of there. <laughs> I'll bet you any, you know, rookie mini camp starts um, – well, the players will be there tomorrow. Right. Uh, the actual activities, festivities, meetings, and on-field stuff starts Friday. But guaranteed he's standing out there watching those workouts. <laughs> guaranteed. And it's supposed to be really nice weather. Yeah, so he should be standing You'll... outside with a putter in his hand, not watching the workouts. <laughs> you obviously don't know Kevin Colbert very well. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I know. That's going to do it for this episode of Asked and Answered. Always a great time. Thanks so much for giving us a listen. Get your questions in now. Maybe you'll hear them read on next week's edition. But until then, he's Bob Labriola. I'm Tom Opferman, and this has been Asked and Answered.